like you ever felt. Are you listening? Damn. Hello, people, and welcome into the rantings of a fantasy football fanatic. I'm your host, Jesse Muller, aka JMuller05, and the cyclical nature of players versus picks has been on my mind as we're really diving headfirst into this rookie class because we have a few weeks until the NFL draft. Well, it's realistically like a month. And right after that, we'll have the majority of our dynasty rookie drafts. And it's really highlighting for me just how how true that statement is, where picks are almost at their peak value. The peak value for a rookie pick is when you're on the clock in your rookie draft, where you're seeing deals for productive vets for half the price they were in season. Case in point, a few weeks ago, I sold Stefan Diggs for the 108 and a 24 third with, I think it was two 24 thirds. Realistically, yeah, I'm happy to make that deal. Obviously, that team's a contender, so it would make even more sense for me, right? But would I have been able to do that in season? No, absolutely not. Uh, the team who had digs wanted multiple first for me, and I just wasn't going to do that price. So it worked out where that team was rebuilding. I'm a contender, and I had a pick to give up. Yeah, I'll do it. Now, with how devalued players are, it's all about trying to leverage those picks into the best potential rookie player or the best potential value return in a package of picks or an elite producer that you can get. Realistically, if you have the 102, have you tried shopping it? What are you able to get? I've seen plenty of deals where in super flex leagues, Kyler Murray is basically going for the 102 equivalent. Or people are getting Lamar Jackson for a 106. I saw that trade on Twitter yesterday. And I was like, what was happening? The 106 for Lamar Jackson? What are we doing here, folks? Um, but it just goes to show you how cyclical those picks and players are. And this brings me back to one of my favorite charts there are. Um, if you want to see it on paper, what it looks like, um, go to Twitter. Uh, follow Ekballer. Or just type in FFEkballer on Twitter. And the pin tweet is shows the contrast and styles. It's, it's the perfect explanation to look at. So go check it out. It's by far the best example I've seen of someone making a graph that's easy to read and understandable for picks versus players. Um, it really highlights what I'm trying to talk about here. Now, there was a post I saw the other day, I think this was two days ago, where someone said, now is the time to buy 2024 picks. Their values will only go up until you're on the clock in your rookie draft next year. And while that's technically true, it's already too late to buy those 2024 picks because you're not getting a discount. You can go on a keep trade cut right now and look at the prices for like early picks of each class. They're very similar. And this applies to mid picks in the 23 and 24 classes. There really isn't a discount. So part of the problem is that is the 23 class is not what we fully expected. Or it's a solid class. It has some good players and all that, but you're not getting all these lead difference makers where it very much looks like that's the case in 2024, right? 2023 has Bijan. He's he's a true blue chip prospect. The quarterbacks all have question marks. There is no Trevor Lawrence, 
no Andrew Luck prospect in this class, right? We don't even have Justin Fields. Like we we have Anthony Richardson, who's got the traits, but he's nowhere near the passer that Justin Fields was coming out. Twenty twenty four, they have that truly elite prospect quarterback, Caleb Williams. They have that tier one wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. There is a tier one tight end in Brock Bowers. Not to mention we have Drake May. We ha I haven't even talked about the running backs either, right? And that's not even including the other wide receiver at Ohio State, who might be the second best wide receiver <laughs> in Emeka Ajukba. Like, it's just ridiculous. The, the class is looking fantastic. And it more looks like a traditional class where you see elite guys on top, and then you have this glut of very good running backs in the middle. Rounding out, you have wide receivers more towards the back end. In the 2023 class, we don't necessarily have that. You have the quarterbacks up top after Bijan. Like we have Bijan, and then we have the quarterbacks, and then it's really the wide receivers. So when your wide receivers are taking up that middle range, unless they're elite, newsflash, they're not elite. It's a bunch of small wide receivers, and that creates problems with the class because people are terrified, right? So I'm not saying it's bad, but it's, there's a reason why 2024 is pretty much equal, even though you're getting these picks a year later. It's because the potential for more elite upside players who are difference-making assets in fantasy is better with that class than this class. Now, we thought this about 2022, right? And we got three truly elite difference-making wide receivers. We got Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, guys that are going to be impact Fantasy assets for a long time to come. We got those guys. We also got Bruce Hall, the least asset. The difference is the tight end class was awful. The quarterback class was awful. But even outside of those wide receivers, we were we had a good amount of wide receivers. Like this isn't even including Tra Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, who I'm talking about. Like the wide receivers carried that class. The problem is if wide receivers carry your class, the value just isn't there because. Once you get out of the truly difference making or the elite impact wide receivers, they're just replaceable. So if you have expensive replaceability, you got to get rid of it, right? Because why is that asset expensive? It's replaceable. So that's more of the problem with that. But as we look at 2024, people only see the good with it right now. And we're, we're fully invested in 2023. So we're, we're almost overall analyzing these players where we're picking them apart. Where you'll hear stuff where it's Quentin Johnson. He's got like a 9-6 relative athletic score. And people are saying it's not good. And it's mind-blowing, right? Like 9-6, that's 90th plus percentile athlete at the position. And people are like, wow, it's, it's disappointing. It's No, it's not. It's very good. Uh, it's just frustrating. Um, he's my wide receiver too in the class, but it's just, it's been wild to watch how much Dynasty community and particular Dynasty Twitter does not like that guy. I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, that's just kind of where we're at with it. So what you need to determine with, you know, buying these picks is how expensive is it? Because realistically, the, time, the 
the assets to buy are players right now. You should already have your your pick bank stocked up where you have a couple firsts, a couple seconds, you know, things spread out. I like realistically that should be your goal going into each rookie draft where you have a couple, at least two, at least a couple seconds, where you can move a couple of them too. Ideally, it's nice to have six firsts and five second round picks. It's not that realistic. Specifically, you're in sharp leagues. Some of the sharpest people I know or the best dynasty players I know are going out and using the picks that they've stocked and acquired over the past year and moving them while still holding on to some of the picks that they've acquired over the past year. It's the win-win deal for people that have that flexibility on their roster people hold on how they hoard those picks so that's not something realistic that's gonna happen but you want those picks so at this point in time you don't have to go chasing picks right because it costs so much more to buy those picks right now where it's okay to move those picks for an impact asset like a Lamar Jackson or you go get a Mark Andrews for the 105 right something like that where you're getting a difference making tight end I know last year was a bit of a, just a disaster but the guy's a stud and he's he's a tight end that's not old so he's gonna be good for a very long time so this is the debate you have to make internally and know your league well right if people are giving away these elite impact producers go get them it's okay moving picks for those guys obviously it's nice to have picks right now because it gives you more flexibility but don't be afraid to buy the players because the players are as cheap as they're going to be for basically another, not quite a year, but until we get to January, once the season ends, that's when truly players are at their cheapest. But right now, people are not worried about lineups or scoring points. They're just interested in value. So instead of going and paying a premium for 2024 rookie picks, hopefully you already have those picks and you can go get players and you can go look at a place like Keep Trade Cut. I know everyone has issues with Keep Trade Cut, but it gives us the here and now, and it's free, so everyone can use it, which is the best part about it. You don't have to pay a subscription service to use it. So you could go look at it and see, be like, maybe I go get Drake London. I know a lot of people are down at him. Maybe I go get him, or I'll go by Saquon Barkley. Like, you can use these picks to get you actual impact players. Or if you want to go get an old impact vet, like Cooper Cup, absolutely, go do that. He's not going to cost that much. So it's about knowing the market and with everything in dynasty timing is what makes trades work so well don't be afraid to what i call be um a volume trader don't just get stuck on one guy go go have your tier set up you'll see five wide receivers in the tier you have go send that similar offer for all five of those guys and who cares if one gets accepted? Maybe you don't like, you know, AJ Brown as much as CeeDee Lamb. Who cares? Realistically, there could be similar assets, right? So if someone accepts the one for Brown instead of Lamb, cool, you got AJ Brown instead of CeeDee Lamb. Is it likely they're going to have a massive difference in points next year? No, not really. They will finish in a very similar range, which is why in Dynasty, you treat the players in picks such as assets it's all replaceable everything has a cost so don't be afraid to go out and make moves to make your team better it's not just the picks that 
will do that to me. It is the player. I know this isn't the time where the players will shiny bright diamonds, right? Everyone wants to get the 102 or they want to get the 104 or realistically everybody wants the 101, but the price on that is your firstborn, the deed to your house, your car, that's what we're talking about. So not a lot of teams can afford that. So go shop around for the 106 or the 108. Because realistically, if you get to the back half of the first round, people always devalue those. So that's where the value lies in this class right now, is the back half. Once we get to 109 through 112 in the first round, that's where the value lies. Because people just don't appreciate it. They treat it more like a second round pick when it's not. It's still a first round pick and it holds value. So that's where you find the pockets of value in these trades. Where they're like, well, I don't want to give up the 106, but I'll give you the 108. And you're like, sure, good enough. Because realistically, that's the same tier of players. Um, for me, I have a few different cutoffs with this rookie class. It's the 101 on B John. And then it's 107 is a cutoff. And then another one is 109. So it's about finding where those tiers end for you. And obviously the 102 and the 107 are not the exact same. It's not going to be a one for one type thing, but it's similar enough where I'm not worried about it. For a lot of people, it's the 106. It's not the 107, but you know, that's how I have my tiers. So go figure out what your tiers are with the players. Go match them up for the picks. And don't be afraid to make moves. In some leagues, it's harder than others, particularly home leagues. My home league has been a ghost town. People are just, they have their picks and they just don't want to move. Or they have their players and they don't want to move their players either. So if you're in a league like that, you got to get creative with some of the trade offers. you got to figure out what the other team values or what the league values and make deals that are maybe better than you're willing to give up to make those sometimes that's what you got to do so it's about knowing your market and figuring out if the micro market of your individual league matches up to the macro market for for instance of what like keep trade cut does or or if dlf and how their values are if that lines up with your league some leagues are still they pay the premium for running backs other leagues i'm saying startups we have aaron jones falling to the 12th round they don't care about running back values. So in those leagues, obviously, the cheap veteran running backs like Derrick Henry, you can get them for 50 cents on the dollar compared to what you would get in other leagues, right? So if you're familiar with what your league is, it allows you to make trades and just send them out. Don't be afraid to make moves. Because the worst thing that can happen in an offseason is you are stuck with the same team you went into the offseason with. So say your season ends six months go by your the 2023 season is about to start you're looking at your roster you're like man this is really similar to what i had that's you failed the offseason you should be open to making many moves and i don't care if that involves you just getting more picks or you know adding value in different ways but realistically you're you should cycle through at the bare minimum the roster clogger aspect of your team go find guys that have any semblance of value attach them to a fourth and see if you can get a third you know stuff like that just make moves happen or include these guys in bigger deals where you're you're going after say patrick mahomes or you're going after a joe burrow you know these truly elite quarterbacks 
package a few of those those roster cloggers in just to get them off your roster, right? Where they held value, where it's like a Donovan Peoples-Jones, guys like that. Where people are like, oh yeah, he was pretty good last year. I'll take Donovan Peoples-Jones. Realistically, what you're doing is you're clearing a spot for a draft pick. And that's a win for you. So it's not a major win, but it's it helps your team out in the long term because then you don't have to worry about cutting somebody. It frees up a roster spot, which you could also use in a player down the road. Or you can just enjoy having that spot when you bring in the rookie that you're selecting that pick, right? So there are ways to go about this, but use the cyclical nature of the players and picks to your advantage. Don't be forcing yourself to buy picks right now. Or don't be forcing to chase after the cheap veterans, right? If you don't have picks and you have a ton of players, realistically, it's probably not the best strategy for you. So it's it's all very team dependent. But I just want you to be able to use that information to make you a better manager and ideally win your league because that's what we're all here to do. So I wanted to thank you all for stopping in this week. I just, I had the cyclical nature on the brain and with the things I saw online, it was just, I had to get it out, tell you where I was coming from. So anyways, thank you once again for stopping in the rantings of a fancy football fanatic. I'm your host, Jesse Moeller, a.k.a. Moeller 5 And we'll see you listening? later on. Take care. Damn. Uh. Yeah.